0: Hi guys, welcome back to my podcast, A Tale Dark and Grim by Adam Gidwitz, A Read Aloud. So some cool information, I just checked the analytics of our podcast and we have listeners in Germany, the United Kingdom, and the Philippines, as well as in America. So that's some pretty cool news. And to my listeners in Germany, I apologize for butchering these German words. I apologize, I took Spanish and not German. All right, so we are picking up about six pages into chapter five. And the title of chapter five, just one more time, is A Smile as Red as Blood. So we finished off with uh, Gretel seeing that the bleeding had stopped and that her head no longer hurt at all. So without further ado, I will continue. Now, dear reader... I seem to detect in you a growing unease about this handsome young man. I must say, I think that is very unfair of you. Do you suspect a flower just because it is beautiful? Or a doctor for his mysterious healing power? Or the postman because you don't know where he sleeps at night? Very unfair indeed. Oh, and while I'm thinking about it, you should go ahead and rehire that babysitter that came for the previous story. Make her take the little ones out to a movie this time. A G-rated movie. Or an R-rated movie, for that matter. Whatever it is, it probably won't be as bad as what you're about to read. I know you don't believe me. How much worse could things get, you ask? (laughs) Believe me, much worse. As Gretel and the handsome young man walked in from the orchard that night, they talked about this and that. The weather, the apple crop the upcoming harvest feast. Until suddenly he turned to her and asked her if she didn't wonder where he lived. Gretel shyly replied that she did wonder sometimes. He asked if maybe she would like to see his house. Her heart fluttered, and she told him she would like to very much, and she thanked him for that kind invitation. And then she asked the handsome young man where his house was, a little ways into the forest, he said. In the forest? He laughed. (laughs) You're not afraid of that silly old forest, are you? No, she lied. I'll leave a path of ashes for you to follow. How's that? Gretel's heart floated up near her mouth. That's good, she said. But that night, when she returned home and told the widow that she was going into the schwarzwald to visit the handsome young man a great fight began the widow forbade her from going it was not right for a child to visit a man's house in the first place she said and the fact that it was the in the schwarzwald did gretel know nothing of that place was she a fool gretel was furious she raged and cried all night The next day her face red and puffy she told the handsome young man that she could not come that the widow would not allow it he smiled and told her not to worry that they were still friends but he talked less to her that day she watched him from afar rarely did he gaze did rarely did his gaze turn to meet hers he's forgetting me she thought At the end of the day, the handsome young man turned toward the tavern without even glancing at Gretel, as if she no longer even existed. Just before he disappeared inside the tavern door, Gretel ran and caught him by the arm. "'I'll come,' she whispered fiercely, urgently. "'I'll come. Tomorrow!' The young man hesitated and then smiled and went into the tavern. Gretel returned home more determined than ever. She told the widow that she was going on the morrow, and that there was nothing she could do about it. They fought more that night, but Gretel was implacable. Early the next morning she rose and prepared to go, but she found the widow, arms folded sternly across her chest, standing before the door. Gretel ran and pushed past her, squeezing under her armpit, then breaking into a run once she made it past the doorframe. Gretel, the widow cried, Gretel! But Gretel ignored her and ran out of the yard and into the dirt road. Then, from the doorway, the widow cried, Take these! Gretel slowed and looked back. The widow held a bag of lentils in her hand. Cautiously, fearing a trick, Gretel walked back into the yard. Scatter them on the ashen path the widow said, mournfully, in case it rains. Gretel walked to the edge of the Schwatzwald and peered in. She felt a shiver skitter down her spine. At the wood's edge, the trees had the bright red and yellow leaves of high autumn, but Gretel could see that a little farther into the branches were mostly bare. The path of ashes snaked deep into the wood and out of sight. For a moment, Gretel hesitated. The wood was an evil place. Everyone knew that. What if she just turned around, she wondered, and did not go? What then? He would think she was a coward, or worse, he would think that she did not care. No, Gretel could not allow that. She breathed deep. <sighs> then she plunged into the darkness, scattering lentils as she went. As she walked, the air became colder, and within minutes the sunlight was almost entirely blocked by the trees. Gretel began to feel frightened. Branches hung like the claws of the dead men. Clouds of gray mist passed by, looking for all the world like lost souls. The trees around her were gnarled and scarred, mutilated by time. No birds sang. The branches' long fingers became longer as Gretel walked and soon it seemed that they were trying to grab her hair and her cheeks, scratching and tearing into her soft skin. She tripped on the twisted roots that reached up from the ground, like corpses, in a graveyard come back to life. Then it began to rain, as cold and sharp as needles falling from the sky. The rain struck the wood of the trees, making eerie sounds, almost like words. Gretel stopped, and listened. The words seemed to say, go home, little girl, go home, to a murderer's house you've come. For a moment she stopped and considered following the rain's advice, but then she shook her head. You're being foolish, Gretel told herself. Rain can't talk. No, of course it can't, the moon can eat children, and fingers can open doors, and people's heads can be put back on. But rain? Talk? Don't be ridiculous. Good thinking, dear Gretel, good thinking." She went on through the darkness, stucking to avoid the clawing branches, and still she scattered the lentils behind her. Finally, she came to a clearing. In the center of it stood a tall, dilapidated house. It had once been painted black. But now the paint was peeling, revealing the rotting wood beneath, which was black too. The stone roof was high and steeply sloping, with a long, narrow, long row of unlit windows poking out from beneath the slate. Before the windows, from the eaves, hung cages. In almost every one there perched a white bird, like a dove, but filthy, covered with brown stains and moulting feathers. As Gretel stepped into the clearing, one called out in a voice that sounded more like a crow's than a dove's. "'Go home, little girl. Go home. To a murderer's house you've come.' Then another repeated it. And another, their raspy voices ringing out together in horrible chorus. "'Go home, little girl. Go home. To a murderer's house you've come.' Turn around. Go home. Go home. You would go home, wouldn't you, dear reader? You wouldn't be taken in by such a man as this. You would turn right around and leave. Tell me you would. Say you would. Oh no, you wouldn't. Not with such an object of your fascination and adoration there waiting for you. For you alone. Haven't you ever had that enchanting friend? "'the coolest boy, the older girl? "'And he or she seemed to like you? "'Of all people, you? "'Imagine that he or she is in that house, "'waiting for you, for no one but you. "'What would you do? "'What wouldn't you do?' "'Gretel followed the path of ashes up the stairs, "'the heavy ebony door slightly ajar. "'Hello?' She called, no answer, slowly, fearfully. She pushed the door back and entered the front hall. All was dark, save a faint glow from a stairway that descended to the cellar. She followed the dim light below ground, carefully placing one small foot after the other on the creaking stairs. She found herself in a filthy old kitchen. Dirty pots and pans lay in piles on the stone floor. Chairs chairs were overturned. In the middle of the room was a plain oaken table, with a large copper-colored stain. Gretel thought it looked like blood. Off in one corner, a great cauldron boiled, and crouched over it was an old woman with an iron shackle on her leg. "'Hello?' Gretel said uncertainly. The woman turned. Her face was like worn leather. Her teeth were rotting in her gums. She glanced fearfully at the steps that led above. "'Who are you?' the old woman hissed. "'What are you doing here?' "'I'm here to see my friend,' Gretel answered, her voice a-tremble. The woman stared at her. "'Through the wood?' she asked. "'By yourself?' Gretel nodded. "'Oh, poor girl,' the old woman muttered as she came nearer. "'You are brave to come all this way, but you must flee.' Gretel's eyes grew wide, but she did not move away. I want to see him, Gretel said. The old woman sighed and touched the girl's cheek, which was bleeding from the clawing branches. Oh, my dear, does your friend have long black hair, green eyes that dance with flecks of gold and lips as red as blood? Gretel nodded. Then, my dear, you have befriended your death. The old woman paused and then went on. He is my son, though what kind of son would keep his mother locked up as a prisoner, I do not know. He is evil, an evil magician, a warlock. He invites girls to this house, and he— No little children around, right? Like I asked. Are you sure? Check under the bed. At this point, they're usually hiding under the bed. No? Okay, so long as you're certain— He invites girls to the house, and he reaches down their throats, and rips their souls from their bodies, and he traps the souls in cages in the form of doves, to let them rot under his eaves. Then he hacks the girls' bodies to pieces to make our supper. The old woman smiled sadly, and reached out to touch a lock of Gretel's golden hair. "'Such a brave and pretty girl, but such a fool!' suddenly a crash rang out above the woman's eyes went wide and without another word she pushed gretel behind an enormous stack of dirty pots and scampered back to her cauldron at that very moment the handsome young man with the green eyes and smile as red as blood appeared at the foot of the steps he had a girl by the hair dear readers i'm sorry for what follows he threw the girl on the oaken table and from a nearby cupboard produced a filthy iron cage. Then he reached his hand into the girl's mouth until his arm was buried deep in her throat. Slowly, painfully, and with great struggle from the girl, he pulled forth a beautiful white dove. The dove fought the young man as he shoved it into the filthy cage and slammed the door shut. The girl's body was still. Now you might want to close your eyes. (laughs) He lifted an axe that hung on the wall, and Gretel, peering through a gap between a filthy pot and a filthier pan, watched her handsome, wonderful, funny friend hack the girl's body into bits and toss each piece into the boiling cauldron. His blunt butcher's knife rose and fell, rose and fell. He licked the blood from his hands and sent piece after piece sailing into the pot. each piece, that is, save one. One of the girl's left hand, there was a lovely gold ring, inlaid with rubies, red as rubies can be. He tried to remove the ring so that it would not ruin the stew, but it wouldn't come off. Finally, in a rage, he hacked the finger clean off her hand and hurled it across the room. Gretel watched, dumbstruck, as it tumbled through the air, over the enormous pile of pots and pans that she was hiding behind and landed squarely in her lap, ring and all. Somehow she did not scream. The young man picked up the cage and started for the stairs. I'll be back in a moment, mother, he said. See that my stew is ready. As soon as he'd gone, the old woman ducked behind the pile of pots and pans. Go, my dear, she hissed at Gretel. Run away and never come back. The little girl needed no further encouragement. She fled up the stairs and out the door, but she came to a stop at the steps of the house. The rain was falling, fat and wet and hard now, and the ashen path was utterly washed away. Even the lentils would be buried in the muck that was made by the heavy rain. Gretel had no way to get home, but then she noticed something incredible. The lentils had sprouted. In the little time she'd been in the house, green shoots had come up from the wet soil, and now a pale green path marked her way back through the wood. She followed it as fast as her feet would carry her. When Gretel arrived at the widow's house, she went straight to her room and locked herself in. The widow came to the door, leaned her head against the doorframe, and asked Gretel if she was all right. Gretel didn't answer. She had her face buried deep in a pillow As if it were still before her eyes, she could see the young man's bright blade slicing through the air toward the innocent girl on the table, and yet it wasn't the young man's blade at all. It was the blade of her father's sword, and the innocent girl was Gretel, her white neck exposed to the cold, flashing steel. She saw the young man's face, and her father's face, as if they were one. "'Are there no good grown-ups anywhere?' she cried. She wished she had her brother beside her, but he was gone, dead. And it's my fault, she thought, and suddenly she realized that she had thought this all along. It's my fault. We shouldn't have run away from home. We shouldn't have eaten the walls of that house, and I shouldn't have let Hansel go into the woods alone. Not once, not twice, and certainly not three times. Her whole body throbbed. "'All the grown-ups want to kill me, and I don't blame them. "'What is wrong with me?' "'Her little body shook. "'Why am I so bad?' "'Oh, don't be stupid,' said a voice. Greta looked up with a start. "'She was alone in the room. "'So who had said that?' "'She looked under the door. "'The window—the widow had gone away. "'She turned to face the window. "'There, sitting on the window frame, was a black raven.' She gazed at it curiously he tapped his black beak against the glass and then he said do you mind if we come in gretel wiped her face and advanced to the window we yes my brothers and i gretel opened the window and it fluttered three and in fluttered three ravens as black as could be you shouldn't tell her she's stupid said the second raven to the first it isn't polite even if it's true said the first. The first raven cleared his throat. "'What happened? We happened to be flying by, dear girl, when we noticed that you were upset. We felt bad.' "'Personally responsible,' added the second. "'Accidentally complicit,' said the third. Gretel, who had a very long day already, plopped down on her bed and stared. "'You see,' the first raven continued, "'All the misfortune that you and your poor brother have experienced is really the result of a, well, I guess you'd say an indiscreet conversation that the three of us had.' He cocked his head apologetically. Gretel continued to stare. "'Indiscreet?' the second whispered. "'What about it?' the first replied. The third rolled his eyes indiscreet, dear girl, means we shouldn't have been talking about what we were talking about where we were talking about it. "'Oh, that was helpful,' said the second. "'And then why don't we just explain it to her?' And so, once the three ravens had settled their feathers and found comfortable perches on the sill, they told Gretel the whole story from the very beginning. They told her about her grandfather's dying wish and how her father had found the portrait anyway.' and then how he had stolen her mother. "'He did what?' Gretel interrupted. "'Moving right along,' the second raven. "'Then they told her about their indiscreet conversation "'and how her father's servant, Faithful Johannes, had heard it "'and used it to save her parents' lives. "'You see,' the first raven continued, "'any wedding between your parents was destined to be cursed.' The three of us know all about destiny, interrupted the second raven. It's sort of what we do, said the third. They were destined to be cursed, the first began. Though what they did to you, children, that goes a little beyond the scope of the curse, I'd say, finished the second. The third raven added quickly, But it certainly isn't your fault, it's probably ours, said the first magnanimously. Had we kept our black beaks shut, none of this would have happened. Gretel scrunched up her face. Because my parents would have died before Hansel and I were born? Exactly. That doesn't seem much better, Gretel pointed out. Hm. the first said. I guess that's right. No, Gretel said. It's my fault. If Hansel and I hadn't run away from home, he wouldn't be dead. And we never would have killed that baker woman and the father never would have wished his sons into swallows. And the third raven interrupted her. Do you remember why you ran away, Gretel? She looked into his black eyes and nodded. He said, Seems like a pretty good reason to me. Gretel stared past the three ravens and out the window, at the red and orange leaves that balanced on the ends of branches like tears. After a while, the third raven said, "'Well, we really should be going. "'More flying around to be done, "'letting people's fates out of the bag.' "'Anything else we can answer for you before we go?' "'said the second raven. "'It really isn't my fault?' Gretel said. "'We are unable to lie,' the first raven replied, "'so it must not be.' "'And with that, the three ravens beat their black wings "'against the air and flew out the open window. "'Gretel fell back on her bed,' it wasn't her fault. She had the sudden impulse to take all of the sadness that had been crushing her and hurl it away, to hurl it at those who had caused it in the first place, to make them feel the pain and know it and understand it and understand her. Slowly, she reached into her pocket and let her hand close around something that was small and cool and turning blue the next day the village was all merriment tables were set all about with bread and beer and cider as well as harvest gourds and autumn leaves and other signs of the festive season neighbors spoke cheerily about the cool clear weather and the little clouds of steam puffed from their mouths smoke rose from chimneys and the smell of roasting sausage topped with apples wafted over the gathering The handsome young man stood with the other men, drinking beer from a great mug, and laughing about this and that. Children ran to and fro. Soon the sausages were ready, and heaping platters were brought to the tables. Gretel quietly emerged from the old woman's house, her hands buried deep in her pocket of her dress. Everyone went to their seats at the tables, and the master of the town stood and delivered a few fine words. A couple of the older men did as well. Then the handsome young man stood up, raised his glass to the women, and said they were as beautiful as any women in all the world. All the men cheered heartily, and the women blushed and smiled. And then, to everyone's surprise, Gretel stood up. Can I say something? she asked timidly. Even standing, she was... "'smaller than most of the sitting adults. "'Get up on the chair, honey,' one of the villagers told her. "'So she stood on her chair. "'I want to tell you,' she began, but then she stopped. "'She looked at the handsome young man. "'He was smiling at her, but then she glanced down at his hands. "'Hands that could tear a girl's soul from its body. "'A dream,' Gretel said. "'Just a dream that I had.' The villagers murmured with approval. Once upon a time, you see, dreams were thought to possess hidden truth. "'I dreamed that I went into the Schwarzwald,' she said. But as I walked through it, the rain hit my face, and the roots tripped my feet. I heard the trees whisper, "'Go home, little girl, go home. "'To a murderer's house you've come.' The villagers started with dismay, and the young man was staring at Gretel with a very strange expression on her face. Gretel glanced at his powerful, magical hands and said hastily, It was only a dream! I came to a house in a clearing, and white birds hung in cages from eaves, and they chanted all together, Go home, little girl, go home. To a murderer's house you've come. But I went inside the house and followed a light into the cellar, where I found an old woman wearing a chain of iron. She told me to flee, and that the man who lived there was her son, and a warlock, and a murderer. The young man suddenly leaped to his feet. All the villagers stared at him. Sheepishly, he sat back down. It was just a dream, Gretel said cautiously. Just a dream." "'Then the man came home, and,' she said quietly, "'he looked just like you.' "'And Gretel pointed to the handsome young man "'who was staring intently at her "'and had begun chewing on his fingernails like a madman. "'He had a girl, and he was dragging her by the hair. "'He threw her on the table "'and pulled a pure white dove from her mouth "'and put it in a cage. "'It was only a dream. "'And then he took an axe, and he chopped the girl to bits.' It was only a dream, and he licked the blood off his fingers and threw the bits of the girl into a boiling cauldron. It was only a dream. The villagers were now talking to one another excitedly, pointing first at her and then at the young man. Except one piece didn't go in the cauldron, she went on. The girl's finger had a golden ring with rubies red as rubies can be. He threw the finger in a rage, and it tumbled through the air and fell right in my lap. She paused. She paused. The villagers were now silent, waiting for the conclusion of Gretel's tale. The handsome young man's shoulders were rising and falling and rising and falling, and his eyes were wild. Gretel, standing on the chair, put her hand into her pocket and drew it out again. "'And here it is,' she said. She held the blue finger with the ring still on it in her hand. The young man leaped from his chair and began to chant the words of a dark curse. But before he could finish... Someone came up behind him and knocked him unconscious with a tray of sausages. Then the oil was prepared, and a villager was sent to find the poisonous snake. Because the best way to kill a warlock is to cook him with poisonous snakes in a cauldron of boiling oil. Obviously! But before the handsome young man could be thrown into the cauldron, Gretel went up to his unconscious body and slipped her slender hand into one of his pockets. She withdrew the tattered, blood-stained piece of twine, she put it in her own pocket, and then nodded to the men of the village, who hoisted up his limp body and threw it into a hissing vat of oil and snakes. As the evil young man's life came to an end, somewhere deep in the forest of magic, shackles were broken, and an old woman was set free, and around the eaves of a dark house a hundred doves burst forth from their cages and fell to the ground. The young women again. Gretel returned to the feasting table with all the other villagers. They comforted her and marveled at her courage. At the end of the meal, she approached the widow and, after apologizing for being so willful and disobedient, told her that she would soon be leaving. Where do you plan to go? The widow asked. Gretel thought about it. At last, she said, On. There. There. That one didn't end so badly. Yes, it was pretty gory in the middle, but Gretel didn't lose any body parts, and nobody died. At least, nobody we really liked. In fact, things start getting better right now, so if you're still feeling sad about Hansel or anything else, don't stop now. In fact, if you're still feeling sad, now's the time to keep going. On the other hand, if you're feeling sick to your stomach because of all the blood... Now's a great time to stop. Okay, just under 30 minutes. So I will end it there for this episode. And then next episode, we will get into the three golden hairs for chapter six. I hope you guys enjoyed.